It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 381-381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, September 1st, 2016. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, Jacob great to be with you tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. Uh, good to be with you. Monty's behind the board tonight. Monty, welcome back. Jacob's good to be here. Thank you for filling in for me last week. Uh, you sounded good. Appreciated your comments. And I uh, look forward to uh, the discussion on the program tonight. Yeah. Um, let's make a couple announcements before we go to our topic. One, still can get you a bumper sticker. If you want one, send us an email and give us your snail mail address. Collegeview.com, send your snail mail address. We'll get you a bumper sticker. Uh, also, I want to start announcing, uh, um, it's pretty far out, six weeks out or so, uh, our gospel meeting here at College View is going to be October 23rd through the 28th. We're just going to give those dates for people who are listening in the Middle Tennessee area. Mark your calendars if you can. Try to visit us at College View the week of October 23rd through the 28th will be our fall gospel meeting. All right. You make sure you mark that on your calendar and make plans to travel from far and wide uh, to attend those services. Yeah, it's, uh, we got some people in the chat room. We'd love to hear from you tonight. We see Kevin in the Kevin's chat room. Kevin's back in the chat Kevin. room tonight. Been a while. Been missing you, Kevin. Was Glad it to have something you back. we said, Kevin? Um, it's been a while. I didn't think body odor carried over the I internet, but may it yeah. might. Yeah. Uh, so, but anyway, we're glad to have you back, Kevin. Good to see you on the in the chat room. Uh, we we want your feedback tonight. But this is just sort of a conversational uh, study tonight. Based upon a study that just recently came out from the the Pew Research Center, we're getting a lot of a lot of statistics from the Pew Research Center. I don't think Pew means church pew, but it's spelled the same way. Same way, yeah. Uh, but they do do a lot of polls that relate to religious subjects. We've been referencing them pretty often, but they have kind of an interesting one. And this is what their report said. It says about half of all Americans have looked for a new congregation at some point in their lives, but how they have searched and what they were seeking has depended to some degree on their age. And then it goes on to break this down. It breaks down people. I thought that was interesting. At least half or about half of Americans will change from one congregation to another. When they use that terminology congregation, I imagine that even probably means they would change religious affiliation as far as that one denomination to another but at least from one congregation to okay. another, people just don't stay put i think that's probably a change uh in in our day and time because i can imagine that it wasn't that long ago where people pretty much stayed where they grew up and right. and that would have included the church where they grew up right uh and that's just not so much true anymore at all people are a lot more mobile people move around a lot and so sometimes because you move from one community to another, maybe even a, a, a move of some pretty significant distance from one state to another or something like that, but it's going to put you in a position to be looking for a new congregation, a, a, a religious group to join yourself to. And uh, this survey sort of tells 
the trend, what people are looking for when they do that. Now, I think that the the results of this survey uh, can be both good and bad, but one thing is we need to present ourselves as local congregations. We need to present ourselves in the best possible way within the confines of biblical authority so that we attract people who are seeking a new place to worship. Okay, certainly uh, it's... uh this could be a helpful thing. You know, a lot of times we look at statistics and sort of wring our hands, but this may be some helpful things tonight. Now, one of the things that I, that we're going to see, and we got we got some comments along this line uh, from our friend Chris in Atlanta, also our, our, our friend Kent in North Georgia. Uh, we're going to get to their comments, but one of the things we're going to see is that I think in a bad way, people have begun to view religion and participation in a religious group as sort of a consumer uh, investigation. You know, uh, uh, you know, if if I was looking for uh, a new thermos bottle, I would I would I would shop thermos bottles to see what's in it. What would what would serve me the best? You know, what's in it for me? I mean, here's this thermos bottle and it'll keep drinks cold or drinks hot, for that matter, for uh, three hours. Well, that's fine. But there's another one here, and it looks like it'll keep them hot and cold for five hours. Yeah. And so I'm going to go for the one that that I think serves me the best. You know, I'm a consumer of thermos bottles, and so I, I yeah. want the one that satisfies my wants and needs the best, and I'll right. make my decision appropriately. And I don't know if that's really an, a great illustration of my point, but my point is I think people are trying to look at religion that way. It's it's, it's become a consumer shopping. Does it experience. have the right features for me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I don't think that's uh, that's that should not be our approach to religion. Our approach to religion is where's the church that is most like the church I read about in the Bible? Which congregation is most uh, faithfully? adhering to the authority of God's word in the work that they do and the way that they do it, uh, the way they worship and the way they relate to one another. Where Where is the congregation that's most like what I read about in my Bible? And I, and in all of this, this survey that we're going to be analyzing, I don't see a whole lot of that. And we might ask those in the chat room tonight, have you had to change congregations? Have you had to look for a new church? What were some of those factors? Uh, maybe some of the factors that caused you to start looking in the first place? And what were you looking for when you did make the change? Uh, send that in in the chat room uh, if you're later tonight. Yeah. Now, today, when we send out our update, we always send out our update on Thursday shortly before noon. Uh, typically, we send out some questions seeking feedback. We didn't send any questions today. Instead, we sent two charts from this recent survey. I uh, noticed a little difference. You yeah. broke with tradition there. Yeah, no yeah, questions. No questions. But we sent out these charts from the Pew Research Center and ask you if you had any observations based upon them. The first of the charts is titled, Younger Seekers More Likely Than Seniors to Talk to Friends and Congregants. Uh, now, I think, Monty, if you're able to, we've got these charts, and I don't know how readable they're going to be online. Are they up? I, that one's up. The first one, Younger Seekers More Likely Than Seniors to Talk to Friends uh, and Congregants. If you look at that chart... Uh, the blue number represents people 65 years old or older, and the lighter colored kind of orange or yellow number represents very young people 
uh, in the 18 to 29 year old category. Now they don't deal with people in between that, I guess. So I don't know. This I, is interesting. I this, don't know where middle agers would fit in this, but this I is don't talking, care about them, I guess. This is talking about older and younger people. Now this so, is this is interesting because these numbers are opposite of, for the most part, of what I would have imagined for the difference between the generations. Some of them are. Some of them are. Some are, of them are like you'd expect. Yeah. Uh, for instance, the online part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's start down through here. So people are looking for a new congregation. Among older people, eighty percent of them are going to visit or attend a worship service to see what it's like. And kind of surprisingly, among young people, even a higher percentage, 86%, That's right. uh, are going to attend a, a, a worship service and see what it's like. Well, that's a good thing. I think that's that appropriate. That would be that's, my that's, first place. That's what I would do, right? And it appears that's what 85, 80 to 85% of the folks do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I, that's interesting. But and now, what can we draw from that? What we should draw from that is that our worship services need to be conducted in the very best way that they can be conducted. Absolutely. You know, sometimes I think as Christians we get sort of nonchalant and, uh, uh, you know, yeah, well, you know, uh, you know, the, the song leader shows up late and, he, and he's still searching for songs in his book when it's time to start, you know. Uh, uh, maybe maybe even the, the members of the congregation are filing in after services have begun, you know, people are still, you know, yeah. coming to their seat, and they haven't been there ahead of time to greet anybody or, yeah. or to 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 be more uh, ready when the thing begins. Uh, um, maybe this goes to how we dress, uh, how professionally we introduce our subject matter, how well, you know. Or decently and in order the service is. If it if it just looks like a Chinese fire drill, you know, all throughout the the service, you know, nobody knows who's next and and everybody's just sort of wandering around and it's not well conducted. And I've been to congregations like that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's that. These people are looking for something that is is done. In the best possible yeah, way. Yeah, we're not just punching a clock. Like we had, well, we had to come to church today, so we're going to put in our time. We need to be enthusiastic about it. I think that will show to those who are visiting, thinking potentially about becoming a part of the congregation. Yeah, uh, this is just the old idea of we ought to put our best foot forward, you know. And uh, that would that even goes to the people that we choose to lead the worship, you know. Uh, especially at times when we particularly expect visitors to be present. You know, I, we probably don't expect a lot of times that visitors will be at our Wednesday night Bible study. Sometimes they are, but visitors are more often going to be at the Sunday morning assembly. Uh, and so that's not a time to be trying out new song leaders, for yeah. instance. That's yeah. not a time for the uh, 13-year-old boy who was just baptized last week to be leading the opening prayer. That's not a time for a, a teenager in, in a in a uh, Atlanta Braves T-shirt to be conducting the Lord's Supper, uh, officiating at the Lord's Supper. Right. We want to be doing a better job because that's people are coming in there to see what it's like and to get an impression, and we want to give a, a good first impression. Yes, absolutely, uh, we do. And uh, I don't know, we're probably going to need a sturdy soapbox for this one because I think you and I both are going to want to get up on it. But we need to make sure that that we're friendly. To those who are visiting, uh, I recently had the opportunity to visit a, a church uh, very far from here, and uh, 
they they were very friendly. Uh, people would come from across the auditorium. They saw a, saw a stranger there. They came across from across the auditorium to say hello and introduce themselves and welcome me. That's what visitors want. Unless I'm just unusual and nobody yeah. else wants that, yeah. I'm only, I'm the only one. But I think a lot of times people think, oh, they don't want to talk. They're they're shy. But no, visitors want yeah. when they come to your group want to be introduced and. And feel like they're welcome. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the second chart. The idea of feeling welcome is very important, but that's a part of how we conduct our worship service. That's uh, and so when they, a person attends, they're looking for that sort of thing. Do they care that I'm here? Am I? Yeah. Do I? Is it like I'm inconveniencing them by yeah. showing up? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know sometimes. Uh, I, you and I, in fact, have been to places together in the past where we hardly, where hardly anybody even spoke to us, right. you know, as we attended there. So uh, this, I think, it's really significant that on the order of eighty-five percent of everybody, old or young, who are looking to uh, make a change and trying to seek out a congregation to, to worship with, they're going to visit there first. You know, so everything about their visit, we want to be positive. If that would even go to a convenient parking spot in the in the uh, parking lot you know if if all of our members have crowded up and taken the very best spots up near the door and they have to park way out in the back 40 and walk to get in then that's a bad first impression and we need we need to try and make a good first impression because this is what's kind of interesting is of all of the statistics on both of these charts that we're going to analyze that's the highest one that that is there's more commonality on that point than in any other thing that we'll discuss tonight. They're going to visit. Let's make their visit positive. Now, if you flip this coin, though, these statistics tell me that one in five of those ages 65 and older decide where they're going to a church they're going to become a part of by not attending. I don't know how you do that. I don't, how do you do that? <laughs> I don't know either. I don't know either. 20% I, 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 say, well, they, they didn't attend the worship service. They just said they wanted to be a part of that church. I think this is probably saying when they were asked, they what would be your what would be your highest determining factors, probably 80, 85% said, well, I'm going to visit based on that visit. that was probably It's probably 85% because that's the, the most common reaction that was given. Yeah. All right. Monty, any thoughts on that? Well, I agree with you because, like you was talking about going to a congregation, we went to one one time where the only person at the whole church that spoke to us happened to be another visitor. We was there from Tennessee, and they were there from Texas. And as well as I could tell, nobody from the resident congregation there spoke to us or them either one, including the preacher. And we walked right by him, and he kind of looked at me like with a scowl, like, what are you doing here? And he could tell you were from Tennessee. Yeah, apparently. I don't blame him for not wanting to talk to me. But anyway, it would have been the polite thing to do. But, you know, I've been to places, other places that way before, too, that – I mean, here at College View and other places that I've normally worshipped, when service is over, we stand around and talk and visit, and we meet the visitors. And, you know, for a long time, it's not uncommon to be here an hour after service is over. And we was at a congregation one time, and the final amen was said, and I expected people to say hi. And I was glad I didn't step out in the aisle because I got stampeded and yeah. trampled because they was headed for the door and didn't want nothing to get in their way. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, and I do think that's a sign of something about a congregation, how long the people stay around to talk mm-hmm. and visit and associate with one another. Because I'm like you, I've been places where 10 minutes after amen, the, place, the doors are shut, the lights are out, and the, and the parking lot's empty. And... That says something, you know. You know. I'm just not used to that. Yeah, that, that definitely says something. Uh, Kevin has commented in the chat room. Uh, he says, I've had to search for new congregations several times due to moves, new cities, and or 
uh, states. And I and and that's and that's obviously going to make you have to do this. That's search. a necessity, yeah. Some, but but sometimes people do it even in a you know I haven't I'm living in the same house, but I'm not really happy in the congregation where I am. I'm seeking something else, and that happens too. It does happen. And this is maybe a discussion for a different time. I wonder about the scripturalness of that. Certainly, there are times when I think it's mandated, but I. We may want to talk sometime about this, the, the, the scripturalness of, of making that. I don't see in the New Testament people necessarily did that. The, yeah, the, 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 church, the churches in Revelation had a lot of problems. Yeah. And I imagine the folks that were still trying to do good were very discouraged there. Yeah, you know, that would probably be a good study. We talk, we're talk, we studying right now in the book of Revelation in our Sunday morning adult class here at College View. And we've just been talking about the seven churches of Asia. And we talked about Sardis, which was a pretty bad church. But the Lord said, there are a few even there that have not defiled their garments. So some good people were still associated. And we talked at length uh, a couple weeks ago, and, and that might be a good conversation to bring into the virtual Bible study. How long do you stay at a congregation that's not right and keep working with it? So maybe we'll do that it, coming up. Jesus, it's interesting. Jesus didn't say bail out. Yeah. Go someplace that's more encouraging to you. But, I mean, certainly there are times when you would say it would be necessary, but that would be a good discussion. Uh, Kevin says in the chat room, attending congregation is first on my list i want first-hand knowledge of that church's practices in worship i think exactly right kevin uh timothy uh, says i changed congregations due to being part of a legalistic group additionally i didn't have anyone my near my age uh, let's talk about a couple of those ideas coming up uh, especially about people your own age yeah hold that thought Timothy. Uh, 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 da, 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 da. kevin's you- still having trouble yeah, he's got him trouble with his audio, but I think it may be uh, it may be. Uh, Jeff, go ahead. Jeff Jeff says I've only changed congregations once. I went from Allgood, Tennessee, to Cullum in Livingston, Tennessee, a few years ago. Uh, extra credit if you know where that is. Uh, it, I had an incident with a brother at Allgood, and even though we sorted things out for the most part, I still didn't feel comfortable there, as I would be distracted from worship when seeing that brother. There were other factors as well, but that was the primary reason I went. From a larger congregation with many families and children with children to a much smaller congregation with mostly elderly members. So Jeff made a, sounds like a difficult decision yeah. to change congregation. Yeah, and uh, although these charts in, in this survey that we're studying tonight don't deal with it, I think a lot of times uh, friction within a congregation or issues between brethren do cause some discouragement, and uh, that's something that we can talk about too in a future All right. program. All right. Um, shall we take a break and then come back yeah, to our survey? We'll yeah, come back and uh, look at some other reasons why. Again, some pretty shocking statistics, and uh, maybe not what you would think. Uh, we'll get those on the other side. Uh, send us your comments. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. Don't go anywhere. You might miss something. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Hi, I'm Lane Crawford, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you've never visited with the College View Church of Christ, you may be wondering what our worship services are like. One thing we have at every worship service is music. We believe God has commanded that music be a part of our worship. But something you may notice about our worship is that the music we have in our worship is different than the music used by many in the religious world today. The music we worship God with is strictly vocal. We don't believe God has commanded us to worship Him with instrumental music. Therefore, since we want God to approve of the worship we offer Him, we only worship in the way that he has specified. In Colossians 3.16, God instructs, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. 
Instructions like this in which only vocal music is commanded are the only instructions we can find in the New Testament. Since God didn't tell us that he wanted us to worship him with instrumental music, how can we be sure that he wants that kind of worship? We do know that if we worship God like he prescribed with vocal music, that he'll be happy with that kind of worship. We hope you'll make plans to visit with the College of Church of Christ to learn more about what our worship is like. We'd love to have you join us in worship of our Creator this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Here's some quotes worth pondering. A dog is loved by old and young. He wags his tail and not his tongue. Contentment isn't getting what we want, but being satisfied with what we have. Your words are windows to your heart. Blessed is he who, having nothing to say, refrains from giving wordy evidence of the same. Man, I wish I'd said that. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. Back on the program tonight, looking at reasons why folks change congregations and what they're looking for when they are making the search. Uh, and so we look forward to your comments uh, on the program tonight. Join in the chat room. If you're not signed in there, it's easy to do. Or give us a call, toll-free, 877-381-4567. The line's open, and it's toll-free, 877-381-4567. All right, so we talked about the highest percentage factor in people making a decision about a congregation being actually attending there and and seeing what it's like and as we tried to the conclusion we drew from that is we need to make their their visit as positive as we possibly can sure sure that just makes good sense okay the second thing on this list uh what people are looking for uh concerned talking to members of the congregation among our older folks, 55% talked to a member of the congregation to get some information. But interestingly, 75% of younger folks did that. That is interesting. That is uh, maybe counter to what you'd think as well. Yeah. Uh, but this sort of verifies a point that, that we've tried to make in the past. I know in our local teaching here, and we may have commented on the virtual Bible study too. We need to be talking about the church that we're a member of, you know. Uh, as I have opportunity when I'm uh, in my neighborhood with my neighbors, when I'm in the community, when I'm at work, wherever I might be, and when the situation allows it. I mean, the situation doesn't always uh, open up to this, but when it allows it, I need to be recommending the church that I'm a member of. I, people need to know I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I really like it there. And I wish you'd come. Come and check it out. You know, uh, I, I think you'll like what you see. Those kind of things, those those are simple things to do. And this is telling us that a lot of people are, are, are looking for that. They're looking for input from people who are already members who might give them some insight as to what it would be like if they went there. Yeah, and that's interesting because people are looking for that. No one wants to go necessarily to some place that's just totally foreign to them. So if they know someone there that uh, is enthusiastic about the group and recommending it, uh, then certainly that would be a factor. Um Harold Comer, some of our listeners will be familiar with the name Harold Comer, a uh, uh, gospel preacher down in Alabama, and he has done some work on, uh, for want of a better title, church growth, you know, what it takes to keep congregations growing and thriving. And one of the things he encourages, and I think it's based on studies like this, is let every member of the local congregation recommend this church three times per week to three people simply say, I attend such and such congregation. I really like it there. I think you would too. I wish you'd come visit. You, or you don't even have to make it a, a, an invitation to visit. Just, just recommend it. I, that's where I go. I really like it. You know, and and that's this survey is indicating that that will be a positive influence on people to get them to make a choice 
a positive choice in that direction. Yes. Um, and certainly it uh, it would be uh, something that we need to keep in mind. Monty? I don't have anything. You don't have anything? You, no. Okay. All right. Um, well, I don't want to talk to you then about okay. being a part of a church then. Yeah, don't talk to me. Don't talk to uh, Kevin in the chat room says, we see often about the church in a particular city of the New Testament, not even necessarily the church of a particular street area like we have today. But I'm not prone to believe that makes the church meeting at Maple Street being an unscriptural. No, in other words, he, he says it's a little different. The, the, what we, the information we have in the New Testament is a little different because we only really know of one church per City, he's not, he's he's not saying that it's wrong to have more than one congregation per city, but in the New Testament, that's what they had. Uh, but you know, actually, I think sometimes multiple churches within relatively small communities is maybe counterproductive because people just jump around from one another. You know, I, I have a I have an issue with you, and I feel like you didn't treat me right. I'm leaving. I'm going over here to this other place or something. Instead of working out our issues, we just jump around. Certainly, that would be the scriptural pattern to work yeah. those issues out. Yeah. yeah. So I think Kevin's got an interesting observation about that. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, so they talk to people. Fifty-five percent of younger, fifty-five percent of older people, seventy-five percent of younger people talk to members of the congregation to help make that choice. And then along the same lines, fifty-four percent of older folks. And 82% of younger people talk to their friends and colleagues. Um, you know, I, I think uh, that would be, to me, more than just talking to a random member of a congregation, to, talking to someone that I know that I already have a relationship with. Right. Right. Uh, and I think that's what that's stressing. And, and again, that just, to me, just makes common sense. So who are the people I... Sh- we just said we ought to be recommending the local church. Who are the people I ought to be recommending the church to? The people I already have a relationship with. Yeah. Friends, families, co-workers, um, neighbors. neighbors. Right. Those are the people that... that you know, in, instead of just making cold calls, so to speak, you know, this is more like what you might refer to as the low-hanging fruit. You know, yeah. th- these are the ones that would obviously be most uh, receptive to my recommendation. And this is saying that a lot of people make their decision based on the fact that a friend, someone they knew, uh, had positive things to say about the church. Yeah. So we need to be making those connections and uh, being positive about the church yeah. among our associates. Yeah. You know, I, I, through the years, I've always thought this is uh, some uh, probably a misfire on our part. We come up with lots of different schemes, methods, attempts to reach people that we don't know, uh, which is fine. I think we need to be trying to reach people we don't know. But all the statistics tell us that the place where we're going to be most successful in reaching people with the gospel is among those we already do know. Right, right. And that's where we don't, We maybe individually, we kind of shy away from doing that. And, yeah. and so we wait for the church to collectively to come up with a method to reach strangers and, and and we neglect our personal responsibility to be talking to the people we already know. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Good good uh, study here. Uh, Kevin's interested with that idea from Harold Comer on recommending the church three times a week. He says that's a great idea based on the study that we're looking at tonight. So yeah. excellent. 
All right. Uh, let's go on. We, we're just about halfway through, and we have got halfway through this. Uh, fir- we haven't got this first chart done yet. Uh, another person that they talked to when they were thinking about changing congregation is that they talked to the minister or the clergy person. Obviously, there's some denominational jargon there. But interestingly, that percentage is pretty significantly lower than talking to their friends or colleagues. That is interesting. They talk to the minister, but quite a bit, quite a lower percentage made that a factor than talking to their friends. Uh, so that that would speak, Jacob, to the idea. Well, yeah, that's finding new people to be part of the church. That's the preacher's job. That's what we pay him for, after all. Let the preacher be out there knocking on doors. Let the preacher be out there uh, trying to get new people to come in. Right. Well, yeah, let's, let, let the preacher be doing that for sure. But these statistics bear out. He's not going to be as successful as you are uh, with the people you know. You know, there's something intimidating, I guess, about uh, about speaking to someone in that position. Shouldn't be, maybe, but they're prob- that probably is intimidating for folks. And uh, and. The members can have maybe more influence than the, yeah. the preacher can in certain areas like this. Yeah, I think I have known of instances where people would shy away from talking to me, for instance, because they identified me as a preacher. But they'd be more than they'd be more open to talk to to you or some other right. member of the church versus the the preacher. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Because the preacher's going to you know he he's going to he's going to pound on them with the scripture, and they don't know the scripture as well they think and so yeah they, they're maybe a little timid intimidated so maybe. there's some some good that you can do uh if, if you're not a preacher some certainly some work for you to be, be actually doing. this is saying that that the i that the opportunity to reach people and make them interested in the local congregation is more open to the members of the church than it is to the preacher of the church yep All right this next one i think completely obvious uh, in the day that we live in. In the day that we live in. Uh, young people looked for information online. 59% of young people who were thinking about changing congregations looked for information online. Only 12% of people 65 years old or older did that. Well, that's understandable, uh, but I, we see the trend. We see where it's headed. Yeah, and and that tells us that we need to have a, 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 a working online presence. Yeah. Uh, I'm am st- surprised because fairly often when I'm looking for information about a congregation, I go and and search and find out they don't have a website. Now there are so many websites out there. I don't, you're not you're not reinventing the wheel. You're not coming up with something new when you put a website out there and you put some information on the website. Everybody, lots of people are doing that, but you at least need to have a presence on the World Wide Web. Uh, because especially, for instance, I look when I'm traveling or something. Where's a congregation right. nearest to where I'll be, uh, where, where I can worship? And what are the time? Make it enough. Make it doesn't have to. You don't. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. It doesn't have to be the most flashy website that anybody ever imagined. But it needs to give the basic information. You know, meeting times, location, so forth. I was on. We were traveling back in the summer. And we, I knew of a congregation that wouldn't be that far from where we were, and we would go there. They had a website. They didn't have the times that they met on their website. And the only way I found out was because the picture they had, <laughs> the picture of their building yeah, yeah. showed their sign. Oh, maybe they thought that and, was and, good and, and I magnified that up big enough I could make out what time the, the, the church yeah. met. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, so make it make it functional. It doesn't have to be the, the world's greatest website, but it needs to be functional. And I think congregations need to have a presence on the on the web. All right. Uh, yeah, certainly. Now the next one tells us though maybe we can we could consider getting rid of something else. Yeah, and then the last thing on this list, and then we'll take our break. The last thing on this list is that they made a phone call to the church building. Yeah. Only 13% of older people, 14% of younger people bothered to pick up the phone and call. That's not doing much for us anymore. Good. Get rid of that phone service. Now, it's interesting. There were more young people who made the phone call than older people. So yeah. you would, that's, a, that's a little bit opposite of what yeah, you think. Yeah, but they're still they're statistically, on top of each other. Equal, yeah, yeah. statistically equal. Yeah, statistically equal. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, yeah, you're not, the, the phone's not doing much for us. Probably money you're spending on the yellow pages uh, isn't doing much for you anymore. I think about redirecting those funds towards something on the Internet. And Kevin says we collect information from visitors, and they often, 25 to 50% of the time, mark that they found the church's information online. Yeah. Kevin's Kevin's doing a little survey out there in the field, and he finds similar data that uh, people are looking online, and so we need to have that information there. And, hey, while you're there making your website, post some sermons. Why not... uh, Put them out there so folks. Can well, you know, uh, and and that sort of overlaps what we we're saying earlier. People want people will visit to see what they think. Well, one of the things that I do is I look at some of the sermons that are there, and and maybe not to listen to them at length, but to at least see what kind of topics are being covered. You can get an impression. Bulletin articles. What are the bulletin articles like? Uh, is this a church that's just gone overboard into the social gospel? You can tell that by their website. Yes, you, know? you can. And so you can tell, and so that kind of information you can get, you can get a pretty good feel for the church by looking at their website. And when you're posting the sermon, maybe listen to it, see how it sounds to the folks that are on the other end of the line, <laughs> and uh, if it sounds like it needs a little bit more energy, maybe that uh, you can put that in there so that when they actually visit, the the service is more engaging. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take a break. Get this week's bullet point. When we get back. Uh, why were people looking for a new uh, new group? Uh, what are they? Uh, what are they looking for? What are they looking for? Yeah. All right, let us know your thoughts. Get we'll get them on the other side. Don't worry, the Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Wow, it isn't so hard to understand the Bible after all. There's more exciting study and discussion coming after these messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. They seemed very unfriendly to me. In fact, it would not be a stretch to call them downright rude. There was no greeting when I came through the door. No one offered me help or assistance. They acted as if they didn't care if I was there or not. It was clear that they did not value my presence. It crossed my mind that I might never go to that place again. After all, why should I be treated in this fashion? I'll show them, I thought to myself. But then it occurred to me that these folks have what I really need. It would be hard, if not impossible, to find it any other place. I would really only be hurting myself if I decided never to return. Oh yes, there are some other places that offer some of the same things, but this place has it all. One can come here and find every essential thing. In the end, I finally decided that I would continue to frequent this place because of what they have to offer. And even though there are some things that I would like to see changed, it is still the best place to find what I really need. Maybe, just maybe, I can help them do better in the areas of friendliness and courtesy. Perhaps by saying and doing the right things myself, I'll be able to improve the overall situation. But the bottom line is this. What I get here is much more valuable to me than the minor annoyances that I must endure. I'll keep coming back again and again. Where is this place? Oh, I forgot to tell you, didn't I? I was talking about that big discount store here in town. You know, that new super center of a thing. 
What? You thought I was talking about the church? Hmm. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Michael, and I'm four years old, and, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. Now that you've had your break, it's back to the program. We're back on the program. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. And guess what? We do have a website. You can find us. Yeah. TheVirtualBibleStudy.com. If you've never been there, maybe you're listening to us in our podcast. Found us on iTunes. Find us on the web at TheVirtualBibleStudy.com. You can find out more information about where we meet and uh, the times of our meeting place. Those, those basics are covered. But you can also find out more about what we believe in practice. Uh, check it out, TheVirtualBibleStudy.com. And if you got questions, we welcome them at any time. Questions at collegeview.com. You can call, although it looks like about uh, 1 in 10 of you will. Uh, that number is 877-381-4567. About 1 in 2, though, will check out our website. So we look forward to hearing from you if you have any questions or comments. All right. So we're looking at this survey from the Pew Research Center, uh, what people are, are – how they approach seeking a new church or a new congregation – uh, and we uh, were talking about some of the generalities. We get on the second chart that was in this survey, we get a few more specifics. And the first of those specifics is when uh, they look for where when U.S. adults look for a new congregation or house of worship, these percentages say each factor played an important role. First off, quality of sermons. Those who were 65 and older. The quality of the sermon was significant to 77% of them. To those ages 18 to 29, the quality of the sermon was 87% significant in their decision. Well, that's way up there. That's high. That, that Among all the things we've been talking about here tonight, let's see. Yeah, I, among all the things we're talking about here tonight, that is right at the, uh, the, the impression I got on a visit. And the quality of the sermon are the two highest things uh, that people look at when they are trying to make a determination about a church to be a member of. So what's that tell us? That tells us the preacher needs to be doing his work just as good as he possibly can. Yes, absolutely. Um, it uh, And, you know, there's nothing wrong, I don't guess, with having that be a qualifier, whether or not I would consider that Well, group. the problem is... what. Uh, on, on what basis are people saying that preacher did good? Okay, what's preacher, our measure of quality? Yeah, and I think that's where we probably would have some issues because, yeah. because you know, some people would say, "Oh, I really like that preacher. He told a lot of jokes. Right. You know, he was He's very." So I heard somebody recommend a place that on that very thing one time. Yeah. Oh, the preacher's funny. He tells a lot of jokes. Yeah, and that's what I'm afraid of when people talk about quality. If I was talking about quality of sermon, I would I would be looking for scriptural content. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, how many references to the Word of God? You know, how did it help me understand a passage of Scripture? That, right. And I'm afraid that that's not what is really by uh, quality being measured here in this survey. Okay. All right. Uh, but I do think that the preacher is is, is obvious. The impression that the preacher leaves is a very important thing, and therefore, though, for those of us who preach either full-time or from time to time, we need to understand that we need to do our work just as well as we possibly can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be very diligent in that work uh, because it does make an impression. Uh, uh, again, wh- what I'm afraid of is that this may suggest the idea of uh, that some people are wanting to be entertained. 
and they and they're viewing attending a worship service sort of like a spectator sport. You know, uh, I, I want I wanted to I wanted to be a a, a good uh, uh, entertainment value. I want it to be a well choreographed production. You know, and and uh, that may be coming through in these surveys when they say they attended and they and they wanted a quality out of the a certain kind of quality out of the preacher. A lot of, a lot of these big denominational groups, their worship assemblies, if you could even call it that, are more like a rock concert, you know. Yeah. And, and so people think, "Oh, I went, man, it was it was great, man. That band they had up there in the front was rocking." The and the place. preacher had those worn out blue jeans. And yeah, he was cool. Yeah, he didn't dress up. He he, he was, wasn't he wasn't a stuffed shirt. He didn't dress up. He and, was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was down there walking around. He had that yeah. head. That, he had that thing, that microphone down here, you know, down hanging Like he's uh, taking your order at McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he was really, boy, he just, yeah. There was so much emotion there. They had the candles burning and yeah. the lights down. So low. we got to be careful about that here. I, I think that, I think we can get, I think there's a message here that we can benefit from, but we're not going to, we're not going to be able to imitate because we don't have the authority to imitate uh, some of these pseudo-religious groups that are actually nothing more than a performance center. Right. And they even sometimes they re- refer to it that as, it's performance worship. You hear, that's that's a, a descriptive that they put on this sort of thing, performance worship. The worship is a performance. You're there to watch it. Well, that's not what New Testament Christianity is about. A worship surface is something for you to go and participate in. You are a co-worshipper. You're you're participating in the in the worship of God, and I think some of these statistics are are subtly suggesting that trend in the modern age of performance worship, right. entertainment. We're going to talk here. about that here in a couple more of the responses, and uh, we'll have some comments about that. But uh, certainly, we need to have high quality sermons, and high quality meaning that they're scriptural and effective. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay, next on that list, feeling welcomed by the leaders. You know. You know, we talked about feeling welcomed a minute ago. By the members. By the members in general, which I think is really important. But here is, it looks like 75% of older folks, 81% of younger folks were looking for the obvious leaders of the group to show interest in them, which I would think would include the preacher and other Maybe elders of a congregation or those who, who are obviously more established parts of the congregation. Not just, not just the, you know, well, the, the, uh, I'm a young person and I sat in the back row and a couple other young people spoke to me. Well, that's fine. They should. But, but this is saying, and interestingly, more young people wanted to be greeted by the leaders of the group than even the the older people. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think this is a scriptural characteristic to be looking for. You know, the elders, uh, the qualifications for elders in Titus chapter 1, verse 8, says that these people should be lovers of hospitality, a lover of good men. Uh, there's some people skills that are there, you know, some... Uh, some friendliness kind of uh, traits that you could see there in that uh, idea of, uh, of an elder being qualified. So certainly the leaders of the congregation should want to make folks feel welcome. I think so. In James chapter 2, James indicates by inspiration that how people feel welcomed in our assemblies right. is important and necessary, and God's right. observing that. 
James chapter 2, verse 1, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. For if there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring and a goodly, and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say to him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are you not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Yes. And, and the text goes on. But uh, what that tells me is that it is important how we welcome people who come into our assemblies. That's, yes. that's definitely definitely biblical. All right. And uh, quickly, Kevin says, I have to question myself if I'm concerned about whether the preacher's presentation was better or more of a factor than my thoughtfulness, study, involvement during the worship. So, yeah, we've got to make sure that we've got our yeah, our yeah we would. I think you're right, Kevin, and, and you would be right to wonder about yourself but what I'm afraid of is a lot of people don't have enough sense to wonder about themselves. It's all about the presentation. It's because they're in it to be entertained, and, and that's a, I think that's a growing problem. Let's get the next uh, factor here before we go to our break. Okay, style of worship services. Really high still. Style of worship services. 71% of older folks, 78% of younger folks were really looking to the style of worship service. Now, I'm not totally sure what that means, Uh but what I'm afraid again that it means is people are looking for something. You know, we even hear we hear it referred to as contemporary worship or traditional. Yeah, and people are not looking for traditional worship; they're looking for contemporary worship. Or, or maybe what we've got here is two groups. Maybe the older folks are looking for contemporary, and the younger folks. Yeah, are looking, probably you could look at that question either way. The old folks are looking for the traditional; the younger people are looking for the contemporary. But uh, you know, there there may be something here for us to learn, and that is certainly we are bound by the parameters of. The Bible authority. Yeah, I don't think that I don't think that we have a whole lot of leeway in style of worship, do not, we? Not a lot, but there, that we need to make sure it's effective. Maybe the way we arrange the worship, or uh, the way we conduct certain things. Maybe I mean, I'm not saying that there's much leeway there, but there are there, we're bound by those parameters that we could. Well, we, there are certain authorized acts of New Testament worship that have to be in our in our worship right, services. Right. And they are authorized, and we're not authorized to change what God has authorized. And so, you know, I'm afraid, again, that style of worship may suggest that people are looking for something that's not in the Bible. But let's examine our worship and and our services. For instance, we, a few years ago, made some changes the way we conducted announcements. That that was deemed not uh, beneficial or expedient. Yeah, we might explain what you mean there. We, we, We had fallen into the practice of... Naming everybody's third cousin, third cousin who Wife had a t- who had an ingrown toenail, you know, and you know we ought to be praying for this person. And the announcements at, at and we usually would do our announcements at the end of services. I've known churches who do this at the start of services, but those kind of announcements about everybody and his third cousin who's who's got a toothache was taking up fifteen minutes. Well, that's not productive in the worship services. So we could change that, and we we made some changes here to tr- to try and pare that down a little bit and make it make it work. And we think it helped. Right. We might change the way we the number of songs or the order of the songs or the order services. But certainly, we've got to have those acts of worship that are commanded and authorized. You know, we did something here recently. We uh, well, it's been I guess better, more, more than a year ago. Uh, we started projecting our songs up on the screen in front which is a, a newer innovation it's within the realm of authorized things and i i think the older people myself included were kind of dragging their feet on that uh 
but we realized after we did it that it was a positive change and it helped the assembly. Again, within those constraints of Bible authority, uh, but we do need to look at look at our worship service and make sure that it is uh, accomplishing the objective uh, that we want it to accomplish, that it is scriptural, and that it is the most uh, uh, beneficial. All right. Kevin, real quick, Kevin says, it shows a great deal to me when the elders, evangelists, and deacons speak to each person that comes into the worship. It is important to me to emulate true interest and care for each and every one that has made it an effort to worship God with me or with us. They desired to have unity with me or us by their attendance, and so let's. And so he's saying it's good to let them know we appreciate Absolutely, that. Absolutely, Kevin, and uh, and likely those folks are not going to stick around for long. So you can talk to your your friends that you sit next to. You can talk to them after you greet those folks. Make it a priority to, to greet those people. All right, let's grab our last break, and then we'll go to the top of the hour and finish this up. And uh, don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. I'm Dan Quillen, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with some thoughts about making plans. Have you made any definite plans for your spiritual life and for your service for God? We spend time prioritizing personal lives and setting goals in our careers, but do we think in those terms about the most important thing, our soul? Ask yourself these questions. What am I planning to do for God today? In the coming week, what good thoughts will I accomplish for him? At this time next year, where do I want to be in my spiritual life? In five years from now, how will I have changed, improved, and grown in my work for God? Ten years from today, how will my family be? How will I have helped them grow spiritually? Twenty years down the road, how will I be doing? As I approach death, what will have been the most important things in my life? Where will I be in eternity? We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. There's a mountain of scientific evidence showing that when families disintegrate, children often end up with intellectual, physical, and emotional scars that persist for life. We talk about the drug crisis, the education crisis, the problems of teen pregnancy and juvenile crime, but all of these ills trace back predominantly to one source, broken families. That information is via the American Enterprise. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, And you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program, going to the top of the hour, looking at reasons why people change churches, what they're looking for. Uh, Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, comments tonight. He says, When one examines the statistics submitted by the Pew Research Center, it seems that the chasm between age groups would definitely be developing. One aspect that is a contributing factor to this is the secularization of religion in America. Even among churches of Christ, we see this growing trend. The concept of the social gospel was really being pushed in the 50s and 60s. Even through the 70s, such a, uh, was used within certain local churches to so-called spice up interest in the work of the local church. Uh, those responsible for introducing such activities looked upon such as expedience. However, when Where there is no authority, there is no expediency. Before something can be an expedient, it must first have either generic or specific authority. Today we are seeing the results of the social gospel. The end results have gone far beyond some entertainment to spike an interest in the local church. We are now witnessing a total secularization among certain liberal-minded churches of Christ. Right on, Ken. Uh, what we were talking about uh, there, yeah. being bound by the constraints of Scripture. Thank yeah, you yeah, for that. Some, unfortunately, feel no limitation of, of authority. And once you once you 
say, well, we need to spice it up a little bit without authority, then you might as well throw out all authority because, as Kent notices, that uh, there is a total secularization among uh, groups today. And then Chris in, in Atlanta uh, says that he did not find the survey results too surprising. The minor surprises he found were he expected the young people to rely on the web for their search more than they did, and he expected a higher percentage of older folk, folks to rely on speaking with the minister. Uh, he says, my takeaway from this survey is we need to be sure and get in front of our visitors and make them feel welcome. We also need to make sure the lessons taught in class or worship is relevant, timely, and presented well, all without compromising the truth. Uh, well, well said, Chris. Well said. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Uh, we got just a few more points here. Sermon quality, feeling welcomed. Both young and old were looking for that sort of thing when they were seeking a church. Another thing on the list that was fairly important to them was location. 65% of older folks, 76% of younger folks uh, viewed the location the meeting, of the meeting place as an important factor. Well... I suppose that we could take that into somewhat consideration in a local congregation, but not so much because usually we're pretty locked into where we are and, and it's become such an expensive thing to build new church buildings and so forth that, uh, not much you can do about it. There's not a whole lot you can do, but you are where you are and you're going to have to, you know, uh, uh, brighten the corner where you live <laughs> sort of thing. Well, uh, certainly. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think it would be a factor if your congregation is thinking about, you know, m- maybe building a new facility or moving. You want to pick the best location that you possibly can. But that that's typically not something you can do a whole lot about. But people are taking that into consideration. Well, I, mean, I, I was I moved to a new town one time and uh, that did play into the factor a little bit. Not much, but it was in a bad part of town. There was graffiti sprayed on the church building itself. It sort of left you with a little uneasy feeling, maybe. Yeah. If there's some place that's in a yeah, nice I've known, I've known, location. I've known congregations that had to have a paid armed guard in the parking lot yeah. uh, while people were inside. Where that's not too good, you know. Again, you may not be able to do a whole lot about that, but if you can, that's something yeah. to think about. And it's not going to be like the only factor that comes into play, but certainly it could co- come into yeah. some play. Okay. Religious education for kids. Younger, this is this is, uh, very this is almost seems backwards. Yeah, younger people, only forty percent were really concerned about religious education for kids, whereas older people thought sixty percent of older people thought that was an important consideration. Perhaps the reason for that is that uh, the younger people don't care about religious education for the adults either. They just want religious entertainment. They might be that uh, they're really not interested in religious education at any right. level. Who cares about that? But, you know, I would think that the the kind of people that that we really will have an a, a attraction to because we let's 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 just be honest. We're a very conservatively minded kind of people uh and therefore I would think that the kind of people who would even be looking in our direction are going to be the kind of people who want to know that we have a, a good uh, Bible class program and, and we can help them in raising their kids to know and understand and love God. Yeah, uh, certainly. So that's definitely a factor that we need to be aware of. Yeah. You know, we changed congregations one time on account of that because what it had to do with the quality of the sermons, the, the preacher was a really nice guy. But if he hadn't wrote the title of his sermon on the board, you really wouldn't have had a clue what he was talking about. And the the quality of the education that we was getting for our children 
I felt like that was so severely lacking that I was going to lose my children. And really myself and my wife, too, we got really discouraged there. So that was one reason we changed where we was worshiping because we, even though we felt bad about it because we felt like the church needed all the help it could get, we have to look at our own souls first and, and make sure that we're where we need to be in relationship with God and before we can worry about anybody else. And you, and, and you can't fault people who are concerned that maybe this is not a good environment for their children mm-hmm. to be raised in. you got to take that in consideration. You can't fault people for that. I, I think that's right. And so the takeaway for us from that is that we do need to have good Bible classes. Because, again, the kind of people, very likely, the kind of people that are going to even look in our direction are going to be people who are concerned that we have a good class arrangement uh, have good qualified teachers that the Bible classes are be, being conducted in the best possible way uh, and so forth. It should not be an afterthought. It not, should not be just something that we shove the kids down in the basement and uh, let them spend 45 minutes down there on Sunday morning. Yeah. It needs to be a focus of Ex- the work. Exactly right. Uh, we're just all but out of time, but a couple more points. Having friends or family already in the congregation of older people, 62% of younger people felt that this was really important. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, I think, again, that's pretty obvious and understandable. I would go back to stress what we already talked about. That means then that these are some people we really need to be targeting when we're trying to reach people, trying to bring them in, friends and family. Those ought to be our starting places. But unfortunately, I think a lot of times we look beyond that and we don't focus on those that we could have the best chance of attracting friends and family. Uh, And then I'm not 100% sure what this last point means, but uh, uh, 40% of older people, 41% of younger people were looking for volunteering opportunities. Uh, I think... That in any congregation, there ought to be ample opportunities for you to be involved. I guess what I would, I guess the way I would say that is I want to, I'm looking for a congregation where I can be an active part. That's what people are looking for. They're looking for a church that's active. Yeah. We need to be, we need to be a church that's working and has opportunities for folks to join in that work. Yeah. That's, 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 now, that's an interesting, that's actually that, that, an interesting. That's interesting. Four out of ten are wanting a church where they can be actively involved. Yeah. Uh, well, what that says is there's at least a, a majority. The other more 60%. than, the other 60% or so want, are just wanting to go and fill a pew. Well, that's, that, that's probably about right, I suppose. Right. It's not saying it's a good thing, but that's probably about right. But we want to be especially attractive to that 40% or so that's saying, I want uh, it to be a place where I can get busy and be at work in the Lord's service. I want to see opportunities there where I can be involved. That w- that would especially speak to leaders of of congregations, elders in particular, who need right. to make sure that they are providing, sort of keeping uh, uh, opportunities out there in front of people to keep them working. Yeah, people want to work. That's uh, that is an interesting statistic. And uh, does remind us that uh, that we need to be groups like that. All right. Okay. Interesting uh, statistics tonight that we've considered. All right. Yeah, we had some good comments in the chat room. Uh, uh, Kevin and Jeff are in there talking back and forth, and we appreciate you all for being in the chat room. I think it's a, this has not been a a deeply scriptural study, although we have been able to tie it to some scriptural concepts. But I do think it's important for us to understand what people are looking for, and. And I got to stress this again, within the limitations of Bible authority, to put ourselves out there in such a fashion to be attractive to people 
who are seeking uh, uh, to find a church. We should want to make ourselves, within the constraints of the Bible authority, we should want to make ourselves attractive to those who would want to come. I think you're right. And so the things that are within our control, let's be diligent about doing those things. Uh, Timothy says, I think we need to put our efforts on evangelism and how we can encourage each other to go to heaven. That's right. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. Yes, absolutely. All right. right. Monty, final thoughts. Well, it's been a good study, and I think it has pointed out to us some things that we need to be aware of, what people are looking for. And like we said, within scriptural constraints, we need to be able to provide that and make give them the best opportunity they can to have a sound place to worship. Yeah. All right. That's right. Good discussion. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you, Dad, for your time. Thank you for being here, a part of the program. And uh, as we said earlier, we welcome your comments or questions at any time, and we welcome your suggestions for future editions of the Virtual Bible Study you make those questions or uh, suggestions known to us at questions at collegeview.com. Welcome your comments at any time. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.